You're listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Good morning. Good to see all of you here this morning. How are you doing? Good. Awesome. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your presence here this morning, Father. Thank you, Lord, that we can just come into your presence with thanksgiving. Lord, that we can just lift our voices just in honor of your goodness, in honor of your kindness, God, just in that you have that face of grace that Jesus came to, again, to reveal that face of grace that you show towards us. And so, Father, this morning, I just pray that wherever we may be, in our walk with you this morning, God, that we would just be able to peer into and Father, just to gaze deeply into that face of grace. And Father, we just ask, Lord, that as we look into that, God, that you would just begin to change our hearts, that God, you would just begin to draw us ever nearer to you, God, that we would come to know that grace more deeply. And Father, I just thank you for your presence here with us this morning. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Well, we're kind of continuing to look at some of the different names by which God uh, has revealed himself to us. And in those names uh, that God has revealed himself to us, what he's trying to show is he's just trying to reveal, again, aspects of his nature, his grace, uh, his attributes, his character. In those names, God is trying to reveal to us his immense worth. And no one name can really fully capture God. No one title can, can fully comprehend the infinite being of God. It's kind of like us. A lot of us carry different titles, different names, mother, father, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa. I mean, we all carry very different titles and in each name uh, that, that we carry, it reveals something about us. And, and the same is true with the nature of God. Each different name reveals something new, something different, something more fuller to the infinite being of who God is. And there's an interesting statement in the end of Genesis 4, and it kind of surrounds the birth of Enosh. And in Genesis chapter 4, verse 25, it says there that Adam had sexual relations with his wife again, and she gave birth to another son. She named him Seth, for she said, God granted me another in place of Abel, whom Cain killed. When Seth grew up, he had a son and named him Enosh. At that time, well, this is what's interesting. At that time, people first began to worship the Lord by name. Some translations will say that it was this time uh, during Enosh that people began to call upon the name of the Lord. So from the fall of Adam and Eve there in the Garden of Eden until the time of Enosh, about 200 years, people really did not know the name of God. When Adam and Eve kind of walked in the garden of Eden prior to the fall, it really wasn't necessary for them to know God's name because they already had a very intimate relationship with him. The scripture says they walked daily in the garden with him. Therefore, they did not need to call upon him or invoke his name in prayer because God was already their daily companion. 
So one of the ways that God would kind of reestablish and reconnect uh, with uh, his children was through, again, just revealing his names. So each name that God began to unveil and to reveal about himself would take them kind of to a deeper place of intimacy, a deeper place of relationship with God. And so we've been kind of looking at some of these different names. And so far, we've kind of looked at the name Elohim. Uh, You find that in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. And so we find from that name that, that here is a God who is a powerful, creator, a God who desires relationship because out of that creation, he created mankind in his image and in his likeness. We looked last week at the name uh, El Gabor, mighty God. And here again, we looked at that in context of Jesus being that mighty God in Isaiah 9, 6. Uh, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and he shall be called uh, mighty God. And so we looked at that name El Gabor last week. The name we're going to look at this morning. And again, I'm trying to pick some of the names that maybe you're not quite as familiar with. With, If any of you have done a study or listened to a series on the names of God. And so this morning, I want to look at the name Jehovah Sabbath um, or that name Lord of hosts or Lord of heaven's armies. Now, again, the word Jehovah in those uh, capital letters in your Bible, when you see the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is the name Jehovah in the Hebrew. And the word host um, is, is translated as Sabbath. And again, it means armies. And it can refer to those uh, angelic armies uh, of heaven. And so another way of saying it, the, that word Lord of hosts, it could be the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, anybody have any idea? Because last week I kind of talked about it's very, very important to look at where is the name first revealed? Where is the first time you find that particular name used? Because it's in that context that God is trying to tell you something as to why he used that situation, that particular circumstance to reveal this particular name. Anybody know where this first appears in scripture, Jehovah Sabbath. It happens uh, surrounding um, Hannah um, in 1 Samuel, which again is very, very interesting. It's found there in 1 Samuel uh, 1.3, and I'll, I'll reference that in a second. And then in a few verses later, it is actually used in a prayer that Hannah Praise in 1 Samuel 1.11. And there it says, she, Hannah, made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabbath. First time that we really find the name used or called upon in scripture. And she says, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me. And forget not your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. 
Now again, you look at the context or the situation that's unfolding there, and there you kind of find God uses that as the moment or the opportunity to reveal a new, a different name about himself, and he chooses to use that opportunity to say to us, I am the Lord of hosts. I am Elohim. I am Jehovah. I am El Gabor. But I am also, in addition to all of that, he's saying, I am also Jehovah Sabbath. And I want to look at the use of this name, Jehovah Sabbath. I want to look at it in a larger context. And then I kind of want to zero in and I want to look at it particularly in the context as it relates to this specific person there in uh, 1 Samuel 1, Hannah. Now, one of the striking aspects of this particular name of God, and it took me a while to kind of figure this out because it was kind of stumping me as to everywhere I kind of looked, I kind of started seeing a very similar format, but I couldn't quite figure out why exactly does this pattern seem to repeat itself. But most oftentimes when I began to look at the name Jehovah Sabbath, it always seemed to kind of surface in the midst of where there was kind of failure or disappointment, or there was misery, or kind of a lack of fulfillment, oftentimes you would kind of see this name Jehovah Sabbath kind of come to the surface. Now we see this in the very, very beginning of 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 3. It's the very first time in Scripture you see it. And then in verse 11, just a couple verses later, Hannah uses that in her prayer uh, to God. But in, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles there in verse 3, you'll see that um, Elkanah uh, there is making yearly pilgrimage or trips to Shiloh. And he's going there for the purpose of worshiping, of offering sacrifices. And it says, to the Lord of hosts. So he is also acknowledging Jehovah Sabbath in those uh, yearly pilgrimages of worship and offering. Now again, notice the, the larger context here is where is the nation of Israel at this point in time in their walk in relationship with God? Now, you'll remember that the nation of Israel first received the laws uh, of God from Moses. And we know, if you have any sense of history in the Old Testament, that, that when they got the law of God from Moses, it didn't go well. Okay? Next, God says, okay, the law didn't work. Let's try priests. I'll give you some priests. Let's see if we can do better with priests. And some of them were honorable priests. Some of them did great exploits for God. Some of them did a lot to restore uh, the nation of Israel in their relationship with God. But most of the priests were oftentimes corrupt and immoral. So you would have these priests that would kind of lead the nation of Israel well. They would tear down the altars of Baal. They would get rid of the idol worship only to have the next priest that comes behind them lead the nation of Israel back into immorality, back into the worship of pagan gods. And then we have this period. We know that that didn't go well with the priests. Then we kind of have this period 
where God gives the nation of Israel to be ruled by judges. And we know that did not go well. Anybody know the most famous of those judges? Samson. We all know that story. That didn't go so well. Again, you had a few good ones, but the vast majority of the judges were corrupt and immoral as well. As a matter of fact, by the time you get to 1 Samuel, the nation of Israel had been ruled by judges for a little over 200 years. Eli, actually, and Samuel, they are the last of the judges And Samuel actually serves as a judge and then he kind of transitions into a priest and a prophet. So the period of judges ruling Israel, there's just this failure. There's this sense of unfulfillment. There's chaos. And so as we come to 1 Samuel, we see the nation of Israel. They're about to, to just go from bad to worse. We want a king. The law didn't work. The priests didn't work. The prophets didn't work. The judges didn't work. Now we want a king because we want to be like all of the pagan nations. First king that is anointed over Israel was Saul. We all know that did not go well. So at this point in the life, In the history of the nation of Israel, it's just one failure after another, one sense of chaos after another, one sense of unfulfillment after another. And here you find Elkanah is bringing offerings in the context of all of this to the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabbath. So as you kind of go from this transition of the nation being ruled by judges to now being ruled by a king. Again, we know that that did not go well. As a matter of fact, very interesting storyline, which occurs during the reign of Saul, where we find again this name, Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabbath, uh, is invoked and called upon. And it was in the midst of the confrontation between Goliath and David. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 8, it says, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you not coming out to fight? He called. I am the champion, but you, you little peons. I'm adding this in. This is my translation here. You little peons, you're nothing but the servant of Saul. I mean, can you just hear the taunting, the mockery in what Goliath is saying to the nation of Israel? Goliath continues, he says, choose one man. Come down here and fight me. If he kills me, we become your slaves. If I kill him, you become Our slaves. I defy. Oh, there is that arrogance. I defy. I challenge you, armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. 
So what is the state of the nation of Israel at this point? It's just a continuation of what it's been for generations. Failures, unfulfillment, chaos. I would also guess by this time they're feeling demoralized. You puny, insignificant servants of Saul. It's just dripping with mockery. And this taunting of Goliath. I mean, this has been happening for 40 days. They wake up in the morning hearing the taunting, the mockery of Goliath. They go to bed at night hearing the mockery and the taunting of Goliath. So one day, David, little shepherd, little brother, youngest son, David, is sent by his father, Jesse, to check on his brother's well-beings. And while you're at it, here's some supplies you can take with them. While David is there, he observes one of these occasions where Goliath comes to taunt and to mock and to humiliate the Israelites and to again issue that challenge, one of you come and fight me. David, he's kind of appalled by the arrogance of this Philistine, this defiance of this Philistine against the nation of Israel. So again, what is the atmosphere? What's the situation? What's the circumstance at this point for the nation of Israel? They're feeling defeated, humiliated, demoralized like failures. They're scared. They're shaken, lacking confidence. I'm sure they're depressed. I mean, it had to be a miserable time in the history of the nation of Israel. You'll notice when David finally comes face to face with Goliath on the battlefield, Goliath responds to David in verse 41. It says, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. You ever been called a boy? Sometimes it just kind of comes across as like fighting words. Goliath roared at David, am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? And Goliath cursed David. Now get this, by the names of his God. Don't don't miss that. Goliath had revelation on the names of his God. David says, you want to go toe to toe on the names of God? David yelled or replied to the Philistine. He said, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabbath. The God of the armies. Did you want to talk about a name of God? Let me tell you, one of the names of my God is Jehovah Sabbath, whom you, have defied. So today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and I will cut off your head and I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds, the wild animals, and the whole world will know 
there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. That is a response that the president of France needs to issue to ISIS. That's a response to evil. That's a response to terrorism. Goliath is a terrorist. The Lord will deliver you into our hands. So it's in the midst of this atmosphere. Again, don't lose the larger context. What's happening? What are they feeling? What's the nation of Israel experiencing in that moment? It's just with failure, humiliation, fear, demoralization. There is a complete lack of confidence in who they are as a nation, in who they are as God's chosen people. And David, in the midst of all of that, calls upon and he invokes the name of Jehovah Sabbath and issues a decree that is strong. It is fierce. It is bold. It is strong. It is courageous. It is victorious. David assesses the atmosphere of where the nation is. He senses the failure. He senses the weakness, the demoralization of the troops. And David rises above that. And he invokes and he calls upon the name of God, Jehovah Sabbath, knowing this in the midst of this atmosphere was the name that needed to be called upon. So you see this name of God, Jehovah Sabbath. Again, the Lord of hosts, it's used in very similar ways throughout Scripture. And it always kind of seems to attach itself. And this name always kind of seems to rise to the surface when there is great fear, trouble, failure, or where the enemy kind of seems to dominate. Psalm 46 is just one of many places I could take you through this morning. Beginning in verse 1, and David is there, they're saying, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. There's that word trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. There again, that sense of chaos. Though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, the nations are in chaos. There's that word. The kingdoms crumble. There's that word. He raised his voice, the earth melted, the Lord of hosts. Notice how he invokes that after he basically gives you this sense of what is going on, this, this sense of chaos, of things crumbling, trouble abounding. And in the midst of that, he says, the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabbath, is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. The Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabbath, is with us. 
So it just seems everywhere I kind of began to look in Scripture and I kind of began to encounter this name, Jehovah Sabbath. I kind of found the same theme. It kind of seemed to involve chaos, uncertainty, brokenness, strife. And this name, Jehovah Sabbath, seemed to be the name that would rise to the surface in the midst of all that was happening That's the larger context. Now let's dial down and let's kind of look in on Hannah's story there in 1 Samuel 1. She's without child. She's barren. And to be barren in those days was seen as a curse. It doesn't help matters that Hannah's husband, Elkanah, his other wife, Penina, would taunt and make fun of Hannah because she had no children. Look at this, 1 Samuel 1, 6 says, So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year after year after year, this went on. Honestly, some of you women can be really petty. None of you here, of course. But again, Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. They were on their way to church. Oh, Hannah, where are your children? Oh, I forgot you don't have any. I mean, there were just ways that she would look to just kind of, again, make fun of and remind Hannah, I have kids, you don't. And each time Hannah would be reduced, the scripture says, to tears and would not even eat. So again, get in the context, get in the environment of what's happening here in the midst of this relationship with Elkanah and Penina. Year after year, Hannah is tormented, mocked, humiliated, ridiculed, taunted by Penina about something Hannah has very little control over. Some of you ladies, maybe you've had similar circumstances, kind of like Hannah, regarding your inability maybe to have children. And there's a part of you that can really sympathize with what that feels like. Wanting to have children, but for whatever reasons, it's not being able to. And all the emotions that kind of come with that. And then on top of that, to have somebody who's kind of just there reminding you Of that pain. Here's someone Hannah obviously had to be around a lot since they shared a husband. So it was probably hard to get away from Penina. And because of the living arrangements, Hannah probably had to hear this taunting often, maybe even on a daily basis. Every day seeing Penina with her children. Probably served as a very painful reminder of the reality of Hannah being barren. I mean, try to enter into that as best you can. The situation Hannah found herself in, and just again, the feelings that she must have been experiencing during all of that. And again, Scripture says this just goes on for years and years. And you kind of just get this sense. It's, it's not in there, but you just get this sense that something finally broke. In Hannah. There seems to kind of come this moment in the midst of all of this where Hannah finally says, You know what? I've had enough of this. 
I'm not going to stand for this any longer. Enough is enough. It's time to stop feeling sorry for myself. It is time to do something about it. I've had enough of this taunting, enough of this mockery, enough of feeling like the victim, enough of feeling sorry for myself. So in her barrenness, in this state of feeling like you're under a curse, she calls upon a very specific name of God, Jehovah Sabbath. That is interesting to me. And the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabbath, hears her prayers. And in response, he blesses her beyond measure with the son whom she named Samuel. The interesting thing is, is she kind of attaches to that prayer a vow, a promise. Saying, God, if you'll do this, I promise I will do this in that if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. And God, he will be your servant all the days of his life. And he goes on to become one of the greatest prophets of the Bible because she honors her vow. She honors her promise in return to God. And so Jehovah Sabbath, he took what was a curse in Hannah's life and he flips it and makes it a blessing. And not just a blessing for her, but it was a blessing to the nation of Israel and the kingdom of God. And Hannah recognized that what God had given her first and foremost belonged to him. And out of obedience and in honoring her vow, she gave him back to the Lord. And out of that, there just flowed these blessings of God toward her. And as I said, there just seems to come this time in her life. And in the midst of all that was happening around her, she just decides her life, her childless circumstances do not have to be this way. Some of you here this morning, you need to get to that place where you look at what's going on in your life and you just come to this place, this realization, it doesn't have to be like this. Some of you are living in situations that God has made a way out of. There just has to come a moment for you like it did for Hannah, like it did for David, where you're just willing to say, I've had enough of this. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm tired of being broke, busted, and disgusted. I don't have to live like this. It doesn't have to be this way. Hannah reaches that point. And notice she doesn't include in her prayer, if it be thy will. Some of you need to eradicate that phrase from your prayers. If you don't know if it's God's will, get in the word and find out. If it is, you don't need to attach it. If it isn't part of God's will for your life, it's not doing you any good to include it. Because it's not like God's going to go, well, that wasn't my will. But since you said that, I'll make it my will. So either it is or it isn't. 
If it is, you don't need to tell him. And if it isn't, you don't need to say it. She becomes convinced in her heart of hearts that what she was asking God to do was in agreement with his plans and her promise for her life. That's why it's so important. You got to get in here. You got to know what are the promises? What are the blessings of God that are yours? Verse Timothy 2, 3 through 4 says, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So right there in the word of God, we know God's heart and desire when it comes to the salvation of all mankind. Not just some, but all mankind. God desires everyone to be saved. God desires everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth. I don't have to question. I don't have to wonder whether God wants to save me or to save you because his word makes it very clear that he wants to save all mankind. He desires every one of us to come to the knowledge of the truth. So I don't have to pray in regard to my salvation, your salvation, God, if it be your will. It is his will. He's already made that known. When I know the will, the plan, the promises of God according to his word. You know what? I know exactly how to pray. I know exactly what to pray for. So like Hannah, it's important to know what is God's promises? What are his plans? So again, Hannah makes a vow, a promise. She says, you know what, God? If you'll give me this, I'll give you something in return. That's a very, very important spiritual principle. For example, if you're here today and you're financially barren, if you're here and you're broke, you're in a place of poverty, do you realize Jehovah Sabbath, and I'm using a very specific name here, the Lord of hosts, do you realize he has made a way for you out of poverty and to position you for prosperity? To bless your life? Anyone know what that's called? The tithe. Yeah. Oh, we don't, we don't want to talk. Oh, you preachers, all you talk about is money. All you think about is money. Some of you. Because you think you don't have enough. And maybe you don't. God's made a way for you out of poverty. Let me prove it to you. Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe. That's the tenth. Ten percent. Whole thing. It says, bring it into the storehouse, the treasury, so that there may be food in my house. And he says, test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabbath. Some of you are miserable. Some of you are depressed in your finances. Some of you feel hopeless. You feel humiliated. You feel mocked by the enemy. When is enough going to be enough? Test me now in this. The only place in scripture where God gives us permission to test him. 
says, Jehovah Sabbath, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows. Some of you are going to have to get bigger wallets. Some of you ladies are going to have to get bigger purses. See the spiritual principle in here? God, if you'll do this, Hannah says, I'll do this. Malachi 3.10 says, if you'll do this, I'll do this. It's, it's the same spiritual principle. No, 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 God. You give me the financial blessing and then I will tithe. No, 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 no. Tithe now. Test him in this. And he says, then I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so great you will not be able to contain it. I'm out of time. I'm always out of time. Okay. Let me just close with this. Some of you here this morning, you kind of find yourself in a situation like Hannah. I don't know. Uh, I would say one of the takeaways from this for some of you ladies might be if you're here this morning and you're married. Let me emphasize that. If you're married. Okay. And maybe you're struggling with infertility. I just see this as an awesome name of God to call upon. Hannah did it in her barrenness, in her difficulty to conceive children. Some of you ladies here this morning, if you're married, don't come up here if you're single because that is not the will of God for you to be having children out of wedlock. So if you're married here this morning and you're struggling with this, I just believe like Hannah, that's a very specific name of God that you can call upon. It's what Hannah calls upon, and God responds to that. Maybe some of us are here this morning. We're kind of like David. We're just in a battle right now. And we kind of just see things are not going well. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're kind of feeling frustrated. Maybe you're kind of feeling like your life's in chaos. Maybe you just kind of feel like the enemy is just mocking you. He's taunting you. Kind of like Goliath did to David. And David just kind of said, I'm, I'm not taking that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to participate in this. I'm not going to receive that. Because the God I serve is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And maybe this morning you kind of just need to just rise up and say enough. I call upon Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of hosts. Would you come? Would you bring deliverance in my place of captivity? Would you bring blessing in those places where I'm feeling cursed? Would you bring freedom from addictions? Would you bring freedom from depression? Some of you are struggling with maybe depression, some of you may feel under the curse of sickness and disease. There just has to come a time to where you just simply say, enough is enough. I don't have to live like this. I serve Jehovah Rapha. The Lord is my healer. 
I serve Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I serve El Gabor, the mighty God whom nothing is impossible for. There just comes a point to where you just have to finally stop and take your stand in the word of God, on the promises of God, and say, I don't have to live like this. Enough is enough, and today I take my stand. And I declare the promises of God, all of them, are yes and amen. Because all of the promises of God are yes and amen for one very particular reason, that God is glorified when those promises come to fruition in our life. But some of us have just got to get to that place. Like Hannah, like David, where it says it doesn't have to be like this. Let's stand. Father, we just thank you this morning. Lord, I pray for those this morning that maybe just need to take that stand. To just plant their feet on the promises of your word. God, that they would come to that place and that point like Hannah, like David, and like so many others in Scripture and throughout history had just come to that place where they've said, enough is enough. I don't have to live like this. God has a much better plan for my life. And I just want to begin to walk in the abundance of his blessings. I just want to begin to walk in the abundance of his provision for me. And so, Father, we just call upon that name this morning, Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of hosts. We come out of that place of frustration, maybe the uh, taunting of the enemy, maybe feeling mocked in these circumstances. And God, we just ask, Lord of hosts, that you would just begin to deliver us in these places of trouble, of difficulty, of chaos, of failure. And that, God, you would bring us to a place of victory, to a place of fulfillment, of prosperity. So, Father, I just ask, Lord, if there are any here this morning, that, God, you would just begin to meet them in that place. And, Father, if like Hannah, God, that there's something that you're wanting them to do on the front end or in response to those blessings, God, I pray, Lord, that you would make that known to them. That, God, for some this morning in that financial barrenness, God, they just need to just walk it out in the tithe. So, God, I pray, Lord, that you'll just deal with their heart there, God. Give them courage. Give them boldness to just step out in that way, God, to test you in that way. Father, I pray for uh, married women here this morning that maybe are struggling with infertility, Father. We pray that the Lord of hosts would just rise up on their behalf. That, God, you would answer the cries of their heart this morning. We just thank you again for your power, your presence, as you've revealed yourself to us again in this name, Jehovah Sabbath. We just thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.